Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast. And you can find that along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, today I have a recent Firebird Book Award winning author to share with you. She is Winona Howe, and her winning book is titled Sita and the Prince of Tigers. Like many writers, Winona was an avid reader as a child. When her family visited friends and relatives, she would head straight for their bookcases, hoping to find something to read, and she usually did. Everyone seemed to own a set of Reader's Digest condensed books, but she also dipped into Charles Dickens and Sir Walter Scott. And then after finishing college, Winona married and moved to Massachusetts, lived there for several years in New Hampshire and Arkansas before returning to California. After her children were in school, she returned to school herself, completing a PhD in English literature. Her focus was Victorian literature, which allowed her to once again spend long hours reading Charles Dickens, along with his friend and fellow author Wilkie Collins. For years, she taught literature in the college classroom, transmitting her love of books to her students. So much more to know, but let's find out more right now. Welcome to the network, Winona. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm happy that you're here, too. And when I read your bio, I was thinking about those Reader's Digest condensed books. Didn't you just love Reader's <laughs> Digest? Um, I, I did. And sometimes I would find the, uh, the the complete book and read it. And I thought that the Reader's Digest had done a really good job of editing the boring parts out. <laughs> it's so true. It's almost like the, like the old cliff notes for school, you know, when you didn't want to have to <laughs> yeah. read the whole book. <laughs> Well, listen, congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. I was happy to share that with you. Well, of course, needless to say, I was pretty happy myself. <laughs> very, very, very pleased. Well, you know, when you're writing, you're not thinking about entering a book contest, typically. And then that's always a scary thing to do because you don't know if others are going to appreciate it as much as you do. But then once you get that validation back, I've seen it really spur authors on to really do great things. After getting that first award, I think they just feel so validated that it really makes them better writers. Well, I, I agree. I think this, this feeling of, of validation is, is tremendously important. And many of us don't necessarily get that along the way. And so when it comes, it's, it's really tremendously important, terrific. Yes. Well, you spent your, so much of your life, though, surrounded with books. And then to go back to school after your kids were out of the house, <laughs> that's a big, that is a big thing to do. And English literature and Victorian literature, I mean, that's a huge step. You should be really proud of that. Well, I, um, I enjoyed, uh, I've sort of, my life has fallen into, into two or three different, uh, sections here. First, I, the, the time I spent at home with the children was really very rich because I got to watch them develop all the time. I, 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 they were readers. They, I started reading to them when they were babies sitting on my lap. And so they were readers as well. And, um, it, and I gave, and I also had time to read a lot myself. And I did a little writing during that during that period uh, when they said they were too old to take naps because that was a time when I could do things like that. Right. Why it um, it I told them it, you don't have to nap, but this is quiet time. Mommy needs quiet time too. So 
but and then and as you say, I went on to school, and now that I uh, now I'm I taught, I enjoy, I love being in the classroom, but uh, I'm also really enjoying this time now that I have more time to write. Well, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, once you start writing too, you get so zeroed in and focused on that. That's pretty much all you want to do. So maybe give us a peek into the book, Sita and the Prince of Tigers. Well, um, it's about a young girl in 19th century India, and she does not want to have her life. She does not want others to dictate her life. She wants to be independent and make her own decisions. In this case, this means living slightly outside the village at the edge of the jungle uh, where she actually has grown up. And I, at one point she says, I don't want to have the smoke of 30 fires constantly in my nose. And um, so it's essentially a, a folktale. It's written in sort of a folktale style. And uh, in addition to Sita, who is the rebellious girl who doesn't want to live in the village, there is the Prince of Tigers, uh, who is uh, arrogant. After all, he is the prince, but he's intelligent and curious about the world around him. Uh, a Maharaja uh, of Sundara Pradesh um, enters the tale at some point. He's obviously a powerful individual. And the other uh, main characters are Sita's sons who possess a certain talent, which I will decline to identify at this point. <laughs> so where did this idea come from? Well, a lot of things came together and uh, all at the same time. We were going to take a trip to India and uh, it started out as we were going to take a birding tour, but then uh, my husband said, "Well, let's uh, let's just add on a few weeks, and and we'll do monuments, mammals, and Kipling." And so the the monuments, of course, Taj Mahal, but a lot of other uh, interesting uh, buildings as as well. Uh, and I wanted to go to areas where some of Kipling's works were set, but the most important thing was to look for tigers. Uh, always my favorite animal. I'm not sure why, since my first uh, experience with a tiger was looking into this book that we had where there was a scary picture of a tiger crouched in, ahead of a man walking down a trail just ready to leap on him, you know. And so I'm not sure then why they became my favorite, my favorite animal, but they are not only beautiful, but they're sort of they're unexpected things about them. And I've always been fascinated by the fact that most cats just don't want to have anything to do with water. And uh, tigers love to be in water, to play in water. And um, so anyway, I really wanted to see one in the wild. Of course, I've seen a lot in zoos, but I really wanted to see them in, in the wild. So we went to India and started looking at some tigers. We went to from um, park, national park to national park, and we took, I don't know how many safaris, but I, I don't even want to count them because that makes me sound so desperate, which I was rapidly becoming because we just weren't seeing any. But the first one we saw was fantastic, beautiful, regal lying at her ease at the uh, just right by the road. And um, it was like she was examining us in the same way that we were examining her. She was curious about us. We were curious about her. So um, sort of at that point, things came together. I'd always loved the Jungle Books, but uh, as I became an adult, I, I realized, where, where, are the, where are the females in this book? Apart from Mother Wolf, who does have an important role to play, there are no other females. And so I was kind of annoyed by that. And I also thought the tiger got pretty much of a bum deal. 
So uh, everything kind of just came together when we saw this tiger in the wild, and I started making notes. <laughs> that must have been so amazing to see that tiger just in its natural habitat. And as you said, they're so curious, studying you, you studying them. It was. It must have been a really pivotal moment. It, it really was, and and uh, I didn't feel any sense of threat from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, oh, uh, somebody asked uh, asked me afterwards, weren't you weren't you frightened because our vehicle was the first one there, and so we were the closest to Tiger. And I was surprised to be asked that because it had never even occurred to me to have uh, to be frightened. Now maybe that means I have no sense at all, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really didn't didn't feel any fear. Um, on my website, there's actually a, a picture uh, of that, a photo of that tiger. Um, so it's, it continues to be with me, we'll say. Right? <laughs> I love that. So what about the uh, idea for the storyline? I wanted to have, I, I thought, how would this story have been changed if it had been a, if Mogul had been a girl? Um, and... Furthermore, he's just a toddler uh, when this uh, when he's initially uh, in the in the jungle and uh, taken in by the wolves, etc. But how would it, how would the story be altered if indeed the, the individual is making a choice? And so that's that's kind of the the, the kernel of the story, I guess. A and I must say that from from then on, uh, Kipling doesn't really have too much. It doesn't have a lot to do with it. I mean, the storyline is completely different, but it certainly starts from from these two things: female instead of male, and the power of choice. Mm-hmm. Power of choice. Wow. There's a lot of themes in your book: love and loss, hope and discouragement, mm-hmm. as well as acceptance of those who differ from oneself. Well, I didn't really think so much about trying to uh, include those those aspects. They, they just kind of uh, appear because of, of the storyline. I mean, it's obvious that at the beginning that there's going to be the village versus the jungle. That, that's obvious uh, fairly quickly. But there are, are other choices to be made as well. And uh, But they just kind of naturally, one kind of naturally followed another. Mm-hmm. How I'm always fascinated how characters come about, how they develop, or if they develop themselves. I've had many people say to me that they they come up with this idea for a character, and then the character takes off and kind of does their own thing, and the writer is just left behind trying to follow up and keep up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to me, it's kind of a a combination. I mean, I I have a rough idea, but uh, uh, how how they're going to work, but in point of fact, you, you write down one thing or give them one aspect, and then Oh well, naturally, this is the next step, and so in some sense, they they do partially at least develop themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that if if I'm making sense here, but um, it's it is kind of kind of a combo. Uh, but I I don't know if it's kind of like um, being the director of an orchestra, but mm-hmm. sometimes some instruments are <laughs> sort of step, step forward and and become the featured ones. That sort of thing. No, I get that. I get that. I I am always just fascinated by character development and the interplay between characters. It just it, it fascinates me. How long did it take for you to write this book? Well, I started in 2014, and um, I 
but I, I really had no idea how to go about things other than writing myself. And um, so I, I thought it was probably finished in 2017, and I sent it out to a few agents, none of whom had any any interest at all. And uh, I went to a writers' conference in 2019, thinking, okay, well, this will this will show me what to do next. And I found out that what I was writing, this folktale, was was not what anybody cared about because it was not sort of the type of thing that's a big seller these days. Mm-hmm. You need to be writing thrillers, detective stories, uh, sci-fi a little less, but still sci-fi and fantasy are important, et cetera. And so uh, I had it read by a couple of professionals, and they said, well, I'm just not sure what to say about this. <laughs> mm. So uh, over and over again, I tinkered and, and uh, um, send it out again and to no, to no effect. And finally, I decided that I would go for, I would check into hybrid publishers. Mm-hmm. And so it's been in a pipeline now for, it's, it's going to be published next month. So ten, 10 months, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, is about, is about, uh, uh, what it took. I ha- happened on somebody who, who really, uh, John Kohler, uh, who, is uh is the um is the publisher and he really really liked it and things went pretty quickly from then on. Oh yeah, I've heard a lot of good things from that group um and have interviewed many authors from from that publishing company and so uh yeah, it's good that you l- landed on somebody who got it and got you. Yeah. yeah right, right. Well, I I read about a lot of hybrid publishers and um uh, I and the there's rose to to the top of the list definitely, and after dealing with them, I can see why it's been it's been a really good experience. That is good to know. Uh, I have many people ask me, and I hesitate to give any kind of advice because I don't know firsthand. So, and, and there's so many, oh gosh, different ways to publish, and so many publishing or people who say that they're publishers, and and I've heard you know some <laughs> right, bad right. stories from people that got burned, and you know they their books have been hijacked, and they don't have the rights to them. So yeah, it's a it's a slippery slippery slope, and you have to be careful. So thank you for that. That that should help some folks who are listening. Good. I was going to ask you. Oh, with that in mind, the cover. I saw that you uh, also had a cover poll where. Uh, folks could go to, I don't know if it was your website or maybe Kohler's website where they could take a peek at the two choices. This is, this is Kohler's website. Yeah. They, they, I think they do that for every uh, new book okay. uh, that they're going to publish. And uh, it was a very, it was a really interesting process because uh, they, they sent me, the cover artist sent me five different possibilities and said, which two of these do you think are the best and why? And so I responded and those two were the ones then that that appeared on the on the website, and uh, the one that was selected, which I think is just terrific, um, uh, because it's such an arresting image, uh, was uh, two thirds of the people that voted voted for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kohler makes it clear that the final decision is with them, but uh, certainly the the poll the poll results are are helpful. And um, so I'm very, very pleased. Uh, the cover relates to a specific scene in the book. And um, I think that that's a nice thing, too. 
Oh, absolutely. I saw the other choice, which was more of a realistic figure of the tiger. And I do like the choice that you made. Uh, I would have picked that one myself. So uh, what kind of feedback have you been getting from the book? I know it has a, it's not out, but any folks that have had like a pre-read? Uh, well, pretty, pretty good. Um, uh, women like it better than men, I guess I would say. <laughs> but, but men say good things too, but I've had, but certainly more women have read it. And it's, it's very emotional. And, uh, a number of women have said immediately, I loved it. I just cried. <laughs> so it, it does have very, uh, it, it has a lot of emotional components, I think. And, um, so, uh, the, the scene that I had the most trouble writing, uh, was one, uh, where Cena makes an important discovery in the Primrose Palace. And I cried so hard when I was writing it, I couldn't see what I was typing. <laughs> and furthermore, since I felt it was one of the most important things, I had to go back to it over and over again, trying to improve it and make it better. And so, um, a lot of tears shed on that scene <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is so real and raw. I love that. Um, so meaningful to you. How did how did the writing of this change you in any way? So when you were done, what impact did the writing have on you? Well, uh, I suppose in ways both both trivial and and not. Um, I um, trivial ways where I learned that there are many ways to spell the same Hindi word. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and, and a lot of that is because of modernization uh, of the language, et cetera. But it was very confusing to me uh, when I would be trying to look up, to look up word. What is the meaning of this word? Oh, uh, it actually has a, a, an H uh, uh, between the B and the A, you know, I mean, that, that sort of thing. But it doesn't everywhere. And so I, I had a lot of choices uh, to make there. But as far as... Uh, um, as far as other types of changes, it really did make me think more about tolerance and acceptance and um, and the pro- problems of being too inclusive. Um, and I thought, I also thought that, you know, she's essentially, if it were happening now, we'd say, well, she's an emancipated minor, and that would be it. But there is a lot, and it's sort of cut and dried, but I think that sometimes uh, it's, Sometimes I, I think that, uh, it, when somebody just says, oh, so-and-so is an emancipated minor, and somebody else says, oh, and that's the end of it, and they don't think about what may lie behind that, and, uh, why, why that's true, and if it was necessary, and why, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that was something that, that I, I thought about a lot more, uh, when I was writing, when I was writing this book. Sure. And just even the even the friends that Sita makes in the jungle, um, she has a. Uh, I really like an, a development, a developing relationship between her and an, an individual Nagaya, uh, who you would never think would be, would ever be friends, uh, for for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it there. You can leave it there. Yes. As I'm hearing you speak, I'm almost seeing this in a younger reader's version. I don't, I don't want to necessarily say a children's book, but maybe like adapted for a young audience just because the, the uh, themes 
are so important, especially to young people? Well, I started out thinking of it as a children's book, uh-huh. uh, and I guess that's obvious because of my thinking about the Jungle Books. But uh, as I, I wrote, the story went in a different direction, and certainly I think it's it's great. I think it would be great for for uh, junior high and, yes. and a high student and high school students as well as adults. But there's, I think, there's an awful lot of sadness in it, and I think possibly too much for younger children. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah. but yes, you're you're right. It it did it did start, but but again, it it morphed itself. <laughs> when when somebody told me, I think this book this book should be full of illustrations, and I thought, are you kidding? Oh, uh, you know, right. Uh, but anyway. Oh, isn't that interesting to, to get that kind of feedback? And you almost wonder where that came from. Fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure. I don't know whether it was because of references to, you know, bright things like butterflies and and flowers and things like that, or if it was the animal aspect or what. But but yes, I was surprised yeah, by that. Is, that is surprising. So it does sound like you had to do quite a bit of research, even though you had gone traveling. Um, still, to get this correct, you needed to do a lot of research. That, that's really true. I mean, I, I had many, many scenes of this type of, you know, in the in the jungle and out of the jungle in my mind, but I needed occasionally to know oh, what the name of a tree or something, you know. <laughs> it could just be, she the, she climbed a tree in the jungle, you know, I mean, that, that sort of thing. And right. it had to be uh, more, more, I felt it needed to be more specific than that. Sure. And so I, I did, I did, uh, my local library was, wasn't too helpful, but I was able to get some uh, books on exchange, et cetera, that were very helpful to me, both vocabulary-wise and species-wise of flowers, trees, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I love research. Anytime I research for anything, it always leads me down all kind of rabbit holes, and I land in all kinds of places, and I can almost forget what I was doing there in the first place. That's very true. Uh, when you're researching one thing le- leads to another, and suddenly you realize you're way, way off what you needed to find out to begin with. <laughs> but, but that's one of the pleasures. That's one of the pleasures. <laughs> you find out things that you never would have, you know, thought of looking up or even known about. It's so true. Yesterday, I was listening to the police scanner. I'm not sure why, and I heard them say something about multiple fifteens. And I thought, I don't know what that is. So I put that into the search engine and out came an Irish tray bake cookie that uses 15 <laughs> ingredients with graham crackers and maraschino cherries. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you just never know. <laughs> no, I never did find out what the police code meant, but now I have a new recipe. So. <laughs> Well, I hope it's a good one. Uh, it doesn't look very healthy. It's got maraschino cherries and marshmallows and graham crackers and oh, that that sugary milk and like and coconut. <laughs> Might be good though. It sounds good, I know, <laughs> but in very small quantities. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that's so much for research, right? So, mm-hmm. what's next? What are you working on? Another book now? Well, uh, I have I have some rough, rough drafts uh, that I as soon as actually is, is published I, I want to turn to um, one one of the well, of course it would, if if people like this I, I'm 
I'm thinking about things that would go into a sequel, things that didn't fit into this, uh, but further expansion of some of the ideas. And, of course, the the children that are, are young uh, at the end, why they'll grow, won't they, and have their own adventures, et cetera. Okay. And so that, that's, that's one. The, probably the one I'll work on next is uh, a, a zoo, uh, a story about a zoo that uh, – is, is going is being formed in 19, late 19th century England, and uh, by a diverse uh, form of a diverse number of uh, sort of unattached people. It's like in that it's kind of like Dickens in the, and I'm certainly not comparing myself to the master here, but uh, what he was very good at was bringing people together uh, to sort of form a family a small community or almost a family of their own. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish uh, with this group. Oh, excellent. So you've got a lot of good things perking in your brain here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's always good. It's always good to have multiple things happening. So I hope this goes over really, really well so that you can think about that sequel too. That'd be fun for you. All right. Anything we missed as we begin to wrap up, anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? I don't know. I, I'm always interested in where the where the ideas come from, and uh, because it's just like little bits that kind of end up floating, <laughs> floating uh, to get together, coming together. Because I think ideas come from all over the place. Uh, think they come from something I've read or something I've overheard somebody say, or it just occurs to me that one thing is connected to another, and. Um, Sometimes even a bit of a dream might even be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but they tend to come while I'm like taking a long walk or if I have a long period in the car when there's really nothing to see, you know, that kind of thing. But those are really helpful times. Oh, that's true. It's, it's, you should always have a little notebook with you too so you can jot down those ideas. I do, I do. Yes. <laughs> I get that. I've kept one by my bedside ever ever since I had a wonderful idea in the middle of the night and didn't have a notebook, and I thought, I'll remember it in the morning, and I didn't. I know. <laughs> I know. Either that or you, you make yourself stay awake half the night being sure that you remember it because you know you probably won't. So <laughs> <Right>. either way, <laughs> it's not sensible. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well... Why don't you then give us any and all contact information so folks know where to find you and when the book comes out, they can get a copy of your book. Okay, well, I have a, a, a website. It's just winonahow.com and a blog there. And um, so that if they want to contact me, why there's, uh, I have a, my email, uh, uh at La Sierra, one word, L-A-S-I-E-R-R-A dot E-D-U. And so those are probably the, the best ways. So we're speaking with Winona Howe, and her Firebird Book Award winning title is Sita and the Prince of Tigers. Her website is, her name, WinonaHowe.com, H-O-W-E dot com. Winona, thank you for today. I was looking forward to our conversation, and I hope we touched on everything you wanted. I think we gave everybody a nice tease. And once the book comes out, we'll really get this interview out there so folks can get copies of your book. Well, thank you so much. It's really, it's been fun. You said we'll sit down and talk and it'll be fun. And you were right. <laughs>